welcome to Grace Church Online. My name is Cody Moore, and I'm our next-gen pastor. Here at Grace, we are all about leveraging everything to reach those that are far from Jesus. And so because of that, we invite you right now to click share so that others can worship right alongside you. And as you interact in the comment section, interact with each other and, and let each other know what's going on in your life. Are you new? Do you need prayer for anything? Maybe you want info about our small groups, or maybe even you want to know what it means to follow Jesus. We would love to connect with you. So you can put that in the comment section below, or you can go to on our website, gracechurchdurango.com slash connect. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the service.
Lord, we just want to come to you this morning, God, and we just want to thank you and um, celebrate the first responders, the nurses, the doctors who are still working, who are still going in and taking care of medical needs, God, and we just thank you for them, God. We pray that you would just put your protection around them, Lord, as they are serving our communities, um, protect their families as well, God. We just thank you so much for the sacrifice that they are still giving every day.
Hello, this is Justin and Tammy Osborne. We're coming to you here from the Osborne headquarters in Durango. Uh, very thankful to say that we're coming up on 17 years of marriage. Oh my goodness, 17 years. Crazy, stuck with me that long. You know, uh, my father once told me that marriage is not 50-50. It's 100% and 100%. And if you're both not giving 100%, it's not going to work. And um, I know you've definitely given 110% several times. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, you know, we, we wouldn't be here um, if it wasn't for some, some very uh, close friendships that have really helped us through our marriage. And so um, I just wanted to talk about the importance of really having those. You know, guys, I know a lot of times we can talk about, you know, we're macho, we're fine, everything's okay, you know, work was fine, soccer was fine, football was fine, you know, whatever, everything's fine. Um, but having friendships is crucial to really get real and I just appreciate those guys. Uh, you know who you are, I don't need to say your names, but Tammy and I probably would not be here with 17 years coming up if it wasn't for those of you guys that have uh, really been there for me over the years. And so um, having close friendships is huge because it, it leads to trust. Uh, she, she trusts me when I'm out with my friends. I think that's such an important aspect. Trust was a big deal for me when we first got married. I had been married prior and with that came a lot of baggage and I found myself putting on my past onto Justin and one of the things that I would encourage others that worked for us was to get counseling when needed. There were some issues that we really needed some outside help, you know, whether it be trauma or personal situations, but it's okay to get help and honestly I think our marriage is thriving because we took some of those steps that were hard and uncomfortable, but I'm so grateful. And I can say wholeheartedly that I trust you. And I love that when you go out of town, I know that I have nothing to worry about. And that is a gift. Well, it is a gift. And, you know, another gift that we're very blessed to have is a gift of gratitude. Um, here we are sitting on our front porch while we're going through this COVID-19 stay-at-home order. Uh, we've got a son with a broken back. Uh, we've been through... Uh, cancer. We've had a daughter that was in leg braces because of hip problems when she was three months old. Um, we've had so many curveballs thrown at us. Um, I had to sell guns to pay medical bills. I mean, that's how serious things got. I had to sell guns. Um, but no, seriously, like we we're able to sit here and say, okay, we know God's in control. Uh, we know he makes everything happen for a reason. And we know he tells us that he has plans for us to prosper and uh, not plans for harm. And so um, we're very thankful that we can sit here with our kids and talk about, okay, what is the opportunity that we have in this? Uh, what is it that God wants us to learn? Uh, there's, there's always a lesson. And so uh, I'm just really thankful that both of us have that outlook, you know, and that we're not sitting here complaining about how horrible things are. Hey, welcome to Grace Church Online. And uh, we're so glad that you tuned in. And can I just start by saying, I am so ready to have a real live audience in this room when I'm talking. I, I am kind of tired to uh, talking to an empty room, and I, I can't wait until we can physically gather again. And I'm just looking forward to that day. I know that you are too. It's going to be really a great day of celebration, and I just, I just can't wait. Um, but thanks for tuning in. I trust that God has been speaking to you through uh, the sermons, through the music, through the video testimony that you just watched. 
I trust that God is speaking to you and you're going to be better today for having tuned in. And I trust that uh, God's going to speak to you again today. Today we're in part two of a brand new series called Family Crisis Kit. And this series is going to speak to all of you. It's going to speak to those of you who are married with children. It's going to speak to those of you who are married without children. It's going to speak to singles, uh, blended families, broken families. I want us to remember that all of our family experiences are so vast. They're so different. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's, uh, our family experiences are really unique to us. But here's the amazing thing. We're going to read some things from the Apostle Paul in the Scriptures today. And, and some of these things that we're going to read from Paul, these words were written uh, close to 2,000 years ago, and yet they still apply to us today. It's truly amazing. Um, last week, we pulled a tool out of the family crisis kit, uh, a tool that will really help us. And, and it, this tool was something that we needed to understand. And so I just want to remind us of what that tool was. And uh, here's my family crisis kit right here. And um, the first tool that we pulled out was this right here. There are no perfect families. And once again, I did all of this artistic work myself. I'm actually going to um, auction all of my artwork when this series is over, and it's going to go to the highest bidder, so get your wallets out. I know this will go for top dollar, all right? Don't make fun of me. I worked really hard on this. Um, but there are no perfect families. That was the first tool that we pulled out of our family crisis kit. And today we're going to look at something else. Um, and, and it's going to be a, a tool that's really the foundation for our families. Um, and I want to just start by saying, if, if you had a family crisis kit, um, what would be in this kit? I mean, what would, what would the tools be that would help you as an individual, help you as a family, that would help you lead your business? What would the tools be that would help you spiritually, that would help you emotionally, that would help you mentally to not just survive a crisis, but to actually thrive through the midst of rough waters, thrive in the midst of crisis. What would those tools be? What would you really need to not just survive, but thrive? And today, once again, we're going to pull out one of the most important tools that you're going to need in your family crisis kit. And it's really the foundation of a healthy marriage. It's, it's the foundation of solid parenting. It's really uh, the foundation to a successful business. And, and the reality is this tool that we're going to talk about today is a foundation. It's the foundation to a good life and the kind of life. It, it's the foundation to a life that actually brings a smile to the face of God. And so the foundational tool that you need in your crisis kit is this. Are you ready? Are you excited? Are you like, man, what is in that box? I just can't wait. I know you're excited. All right, I'm excited too. And it's going to be some more artwork. All right, brace yourself. I know you're so excited. This is going to be awesome. All right, here we go. Boom. Look at that. All right. The foundational tool that you need in your family crisis kit is love. All right. That's represented by this beautiful heart right here. All right. The foundational tool that you need is love. The Apostle Paul said some amazing things about love when he was teaching to the people in the city of Corinth. Um, I want to remind you, the city of Corinth was actually a place that was really messed up. The city of Corinth, when, when Paul was writing these words that we're about to read here in just a moment, this, this place was really jacked up. I mean, there was brokenness everywhere. There was broken relationships. Uh, businesses were broken. They were taking advantage of people. They were really, um, you know, jacking up the prices on their goods, and they were really taking advantage of vulnerable people. 
um, the churches in Corinth were full of people that were practicing religion, okay, but they were not good people. They, they looked like they had it all together on the outside, but on the inside, they were very corrupt. Uh, they were religious people, but they were not good people. There was division everywhere. There was actually a lot of racism, okay? Racism was rampant in this culture. Claudius, the emperor of Rome at this time, he actually kicked all of the Jews out of the city of Rome because they were Jews. That was the only reason he made them uh, leave the city, and so racism was rampant. You know, listen, all you have to do is watch the evening news tomorrow night to come to the realization that our culture, all right, our country, our communities have actually not changed much. There's a lot of brokenness in our communities. There's a lot of brokenness in in our country. Um, You know, over uh, a thousand years ago, it just seems like things have not changed all that much. So Paul comes into this really broken environment, and instead of preaching condemnation or instead of spewing hatred, um, he instead gives people the key that will change everything. Paul said, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Listen, the foundational tool that you need in your crisis kit is love. It's got to be there. Otherwise, you will, not, um, you will not thrive in the midst of rough times. You've got to have love. It's a foundational piece in your family crisis kit. You've got to have love. I got artwork everywhere. It's amazing. Paul said, you know what's going to fix the mess? You know what's going to fix the mess in your broken community? You know what's going to fix the mess in your broken marriages and your broken relationships? You know what's going to fix the mess when it comes to maybe parenting mistakes that you've made and rebellious children? The answer is love. And I know many of you are thinking like, oh my gosh, like how is this supposed to work? How is love really going to fix things? What are we supposed to do, Justin? Like hug each other more? We're not even allowed to hug each other right now. Like how is this going to work? You see, the crazy thing is, is there's so much misunderstanding around the concept of love. And I would actually argue that one of the most misunderstood terms in, in the entire vocabulary is the word love. So right from the beginning, right right out of the gates in this sermon, I want us to have a shared definition of what love really means. And one of the best working definitions that I've ever read when it comes to the word love is this. Love rejoices in the betterment of the other. Let me say that one more time. Love rejoices in the betterment of the other. Love is thrilled when the other person is benefited in some way by its efforts. Love is void of selfishness. Love goes beyond the desires of ourselves. Instead, love desires what's best for the other person. When we really love, we, we give up selfishness. We actually enter into the world of the other. All right, that's what love is all about. It's other focused. We enter into the world of the other person's needs, the other person's hurts, the other person's dreams. Love is... It rejoices in the betterment of the other. I really want us to get a hold of this. I really want us to understand this. And so I'm going to give you four examples of how this kind of love plays out in real time. And I want you to see how it looks. And I want you to maybe walk away with some ideas of how you can live out this kind of love 
in different areas of your life. So how does this kind of love really look in our lives? Let's start with marriage, okay? How does this kind of love really play out in a healthy marriage? I would say this. It's not, what can I get out of this? Instead, the right question that you should be asking, the the kind of question that love would ask would say, how can I serve you? It's not, what can I get out of this relationship? What can I get out of this marriage? Instead, we should have the mindset, how can I serve you? We just heard from the Osbournes when uh, Justin was saying, you know, his dad said, it's not a 50-50 proposition. It's 100%, 100%. You see, healthy marriages have an other mindset. They want the other person to be blessed and to succeed, and they're all about serving uh, their spouse. How can I make the other person better? How can I make her or how can I make him better? How can I serve you? What about parenting? How does this kind of love look or how does it play out in parenting? I have to admit, one of the things that exposed my selfishness personally the most was when I had kids. Um, It wasn't until I had kids I realized how much of a selfish individual I am. Like, Now, before I had kids, I could go to the refrigerator and get a snack and eat it. But now I have to share it. You know, that's crazy. I am such a selfish person. And parenting really exposed that. But in the area of parenting, I would say that love, this kind of love that we're talking about, it looks like the word presence. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. And I want you to understand, your kids don't expect you to be perfect, okay? There's, there's no such thing, and your kids don't even expect you to be perfect. But the best thing that you can give your child or your children, the best thing that you can do for kids is to be present, is to show up, is to be there. The greatest gift that you can give a child is your time, is to actually just be there with them. Being present in their lives, show up in their lives, show up um, in the things that they do. Listen, in this quarantine, I know that uh, my kids, like your kids, have probably played way too much video games, okay? But you know what? I've, I've, I've tried to actually sit down with them and just play some video games with them, like just to be with them, to be present with them. That's what kids really want. They want you to be there, to show up. You know, there's a couple guiding statements that I have in my brain, sometimes it helps me in my parenting, and, and maybe these statements will help you. But one of the statements is this, I'm here. Like if your kids really understand that, man, dad or mom, they're, they're, they're going to be there. They're going to show up. I'm fully present. This idea of I'm here means um, you have my time. My time is extremely valuable, but I'm giving it to you, son, or I'm giving it to you, daughter. The second statement that Um, helps me in my parenting is the statement, I hear you. I think children, they want to be heard. They want to understand that dad really cares, that mom really cares. It's this idea of, I really care about you. I care what, what you're thinking about. I care about your feelings. I care about your experiences. I hear you. And then the third statement that helps me in my parenting is, how can I help you? You see, Our children need to understand that God has created them unique. God has created them uh, in a special way. He has personally designed them. And my job as a parent is to help them become all that God has created them to be. 
My job is not to make them into a carbon copy of me or to try to make them look like someone else or act like someone else. My job as a parent, my job as a dad is to help them become all that God has created them to be. That's how love looks in parenting. How does love look in the workplace? Let's talk about the workplace. Um, Love, when we talk about the workplace, love means that you go first. And let me explain what I mean by this. As an employer, okay, so let's, let's talk from the perspective of an employer. Love means that, um, you know, in, the, in these seasons and in, in these times of hardships and layoffs and really tough decisions that a lot of employers are facing, love means that you go first. What I mean by that is if you have to make pay cuts, you're actually the first one to get your pay cut. You go first. A, a good leader, a, a good, uh, a good uh, a boss, a good leader is uh, someone that sacrifices the most. You actually go first. If you have to make pay cuts, you should be the first one to take a cut. As an employer, you should show empathy. You should try to understand how this is really impacting the people that you employ in real time. You need to understand how it's affecting them and empathize with them and then do your best to truly care for them. As a, as a leader, the, the way that love looks as an employer means that you communicate truthfully. Even if it's hard things that you have to communicate, even if it's scary things that you have to communicate, the best thing that you can do to show love to those that you employ is to communicate truthfully. And as an employer... Love means that you communicate frequently. Listen, love love means that you make sure that people are not in the dark. They need to understand what's really happening in in the business that you're leading or in the organization that you oversee. Even if it's negative things, once again, even if, if it's hard things, you need to communicate frequently. People need to be in the know. They need to understand what's really happened. Don't leave people in the dark. Love means that you communicate frequently. If we're talking about the workplace and how love plays out, let's look at the perspective of the employee for just a moment. Once again, as an employee, love means that you go first. Once again, and here's what I mean by that. You should be the first to encourage your employer. Listen, your employer, okay, he or she has never led their business, has never led their organization through a crisis like this. So you should be the first one to encourage them, to build them up, to say, hey, I'm here for you. What can I do to serve you? How can I help? Do everything you can to help your employer, to help your company, to help your organization succeed, especially in these times. Once again, from the perspective of an employee, you should be the the first to respectfully share ideas or thoughts on how to get through these rough times. Man, be, be uh, an idea person. Try to um, offer thoughts or um, ideas on how you can um, survive and, and thrive through these rough waters. Once again, from the perspective of an employee, you should be the first to do a little bit extra. Listen, in these times, you should look for ways to jump in and help carry the load. You should be the first to say, hey, can I uh, do a little bit extra? Is there something more that I can do to take a little bit of the load off your plate? Do a little bit extra. Go the extra mile, especially in these seasons. And then lastly, as an employee, 
You should be the first to pray for your employer. Listen, your employer is um, making some really difficult decisions on a daily basis, and they may be uh, making some uh, decisions to lay off people that they really love. So pray for your employer. Listen, they could really use your prayers right now. You should be the first to pray for them. That's how love can look in the workplace. Let's talk about friendships. How does love look in our friendships? Listen, when it comes to friends, I personally have had to learn a few things the hard way. Um, I sometimes haven't been the best friend, and I've had to learn some things through some hard knocks, but I have learned some things, and I'm trying to change. I'm trying to be a better friend. But if I could boil it down to one word in regards to what love looks like in a friendship, listen, your word may be different, but my word, if I could boil it down to what love looks like in a friendship, I would use the word accept. I love you. I accept you for you, speaking to my friend. I accept you just the way you are. I'm not going to try to fix you because I can't fix you. I'm not going to judge you because I'm not the judge. I'm not going to try to make you into who I think you should be. You are my friend. And you don't have to try to be someone else to impress me. I'll laugh with you. I'll cry with you. I'll fight for you. I got your back. And I won't try to hide my brokenness from you. I accept you. You're my friend. I think that's how love could look in our friendships. Listen, when when we love, it involves every part of who we are. When you love, you you literally bring your entire being toward helping or uh, becoming close to someone, whether it be God or whether it be another human being. This is why we cannot reduce love to simple terms like emotion or a thought or a behavior or a choice or a commitment. Listen, love involves all of those things, but love involves the whole person. Love is investing our very souls for the sake of another. It's loving with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. Listen, I I know there's many of you who are watching right now, and you have loved, whether it be a spouse or a child or a friend, and you loved in that way. You loved with all of your soul, with all of your mind. You, You loved them deeply. And our great enemy, death, came and took your loved one away too soon. But you know, just like I know, you know deep down, you know deep down all the way to your toes, you know that your life is richer, that your life is better because you love, because you experienced love with a spouse or with a child or with a friend. Your life is better because you love. Listen, sometimes sometimes love is painful, but it's worth it. Did you know that God, at his very core, is love itself? John, one of the disciples of Jesus, said this, We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in in them. Listen, he loves and God is love. 
He also created you and he designed you to have an internal need for love. Love from God and love from other people. We need to be loved and we need to love. That's the way God created us. Listen, I, I know I know that all this talk about love, it can be, uh, it can seem like a real tall order. It can actually, maybe, maybe it seems impossible sometimes. Maybe it's like, man, I just don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can love in the way that you're talking. I want you to know that we serve a God who gave us an example to follow. This is exactly what Jesus did for us. This is exactly what Jesus did for you. He modeled what it looks like to love others. Jesus entered our world, our extremely broken world, full of needs and hurts and sufferings and broken dreams. And Jesus set aside his personal wants. He, he set aside his own desires. He didn't have any selfishness in him whatsoever. And he came to our world so that you and I could be better off, so that we could have a way out of our brokenness. And Jesus, what he did, he showed us that love is sacrificial. Love sacrifices. Listen, I, I want to read some words from John in 1 John chapter 3. And I want you to know that when John was writing these words, he was actually an older man. And he was writing to a younger generation. He was writing to younger people who were not only younger in their faith, but they were younger in age. And his whole purpose of writing these words was to inspire them to the kind of love that um, God wants us to live out. But John said this. He said, dear children, he's speaking to a younger generation. He said, let's not merely say that we love each other. Listen, you and I both know that talk is cheap. I mean, words are a dime a dozen. Uh, Let's not just say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Listen, love involves time. It involves effort and vulnerability and humility and sacrifice. I mean, these are just a few examples of the price tag of love. And Jesus paid the ultimate price for love. Jesus laid down his life. He gave everything to prove his love for you and me. God demonstrated his love by giving his life. So how do we know that God loves us? I mean, some of you watching online, um, it, it may you may have never been in a church in your entire life, and this is kind of the first church experience you've ever had. And you may have asked that question, like how do we really know if God loves us? Do we know that God loves us because he said so? No, that's not the reason. Do we know that God loves us because that's just the way it is? I mean, he's God and that's just the way it is and that's what I've been told, so that's, that's what I'm going to believe. No, that's not a good reason. Do we know that God loves us because, you know, this guy, Justin, um, he was saying it kind of in a loud voice that God loves us? No, that's definitely not a good reason. We know that God loves us because he proved it through his actions. He proved his love to us. He didn't just say it, he demonstrated it. He gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. Jesus proved his love. Love is sacrificial. You know, for many, the whole topic 
or the whole discussion around the topic of love, it can be difficult because, uh, man, some of you, I know that you've had past hurts. You've maybe loved someone and, and that love was betrayed. Uh, maybe you, you, you trusted someone and, man, you laid out your heart and they just walked all over your heart. And so it's hard for you to trust someone again. It's hard for you to trust other people, let alone God. You see, the fact of the matter is, I'm going to be very honest with you. The fact of the matter, love involves risk. It's risky business. It means that you bring all of your hurts and all of your mistakes and all of your feelings. And it brings, it brings your entire mess to the feet of Jesus Christ. And you're trusting him with all of you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. You're trusting Jesus with all of it. It's, it's a risk to trust God with your most intimate, deepest, darkest secrets, like your innermost being. But I want to remind you, I want to encourage you that God proved his love for you. He laid down his life for you. He is not going to take advantage of you. He will not mock you. He will not make fun of you. He will not abuse you. You can trust God because he is trustworthy and he has proven his love to you through his actions. And it wasn't just words. It was backed with action. Once again, when it, when it comes to our relationship with God, I think that might be the easiest step to take. Sometimes it's really a no-brainer because he's trustworthy. You might be able to trust God um, very easily because, uh, man, you believe what he said. You believe what he did. You know that he proved his love. But when it comes to loving God, our fellow human beings? <laughs> Man, that's where things can get really tough. That's where things can get really difficult. Many people are afraid to be close or to be vulnerable with a spouse or with a, a, another human being because they've been hurt in the past or they feel like, man, I've, I've already tried that and, and it was just too painful. I think sometimes... We'll, we'll try to wait for that perfect environment. You know, we'll try to wait for that perfect relationship. I'm just going to wait for that, uh, that perfect environment so I don't get hurt again. I don't want to experience that kind of pain again. Sad reality is our willingness to trust can be very deeply wounded. Our trust can actually be broken. And often we don't love because we don't want to get hurt. We don't want to experience the pain. But here's the fact, and you know this, a totally safe place does not exist when it comes to loving other human beings because we're all imperfect people, because we're all broken. The fact is, is when a man marries a woman, it's two imperfect people coming together. And sometimes it can be messy. Loving someone else is risky business. It's risky. We all have the ability to hurt to wound, to break trusts. Truly loving someone is a huge risk because you can get hurt in the process. But listen, there's really only two options. There's really only two paths in front of you. You can take the path and you can choose bitterness and you can choose hatred and you can just stay to yourself and I'm never going to be vulnerable. I'm never going to love someone. I'm never going to take the path of love. And you can live a very miserable existence on this planet. Or you can choose to make the 
the conscious decision. You can take the risk to love people. And once again, it's risky, but it's worth it. It's so worth it. Listen, the foundation of our families depend on it. Our marriages depend on it. Our parenting depends on it. Um, A truly successful business depends on it. Our friendships depend on it. Love rejoices in the betterment of the other. In closing, I'm going to read some verses out of one of the most powerful chapters in the entire Scripture. These words were written by the Apostle Paul uh, many, many, many years ago. But as I read them, you're going to see how applicable they are to our present day. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor, even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not record um, of, of any wrongdoing. It doesn't keep a record of it. It does not rejoice in injustice. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. But it rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The foundation of your family. Foundation of your friendships, the foundation of your business, the the foundation of your very life has to be love. Otherwise, you have no foundation at all. I'm going to close in prayer. Father God, may the foundation of our families be love. A love that is sacrificial and giving. A love that rejoices in the betterment of the other. Father, I pray that we would make the decision not to choose the path of bitterness or um, hatred or I'm I'm not going to love anyone. Lord, instead, I pray that we would make the choice, even though it's risky, even though we may get hurt in the process. I pray that we would uh, make the choice to love others like you loved us. And Jesus, we know and we are confident that the love you have for us is a safe place. You will not abuse us. You will not take advantage of us. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And we are confident in that promise. We are confident in that hope. Thank you for showing us what love really looks like. Help us to live it out well in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.